Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we feast upon the words of Jesus Christ as taught in the Holy Scriptures. This day we're discussing the Doctrine and Covenants, section 20 through 22. We've looked at the pre in previous weeks how the Doctrine and Covenants is the third testament of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in fulfillment of the biblical law that by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word of God be established. It is also the second uh, uh, witness of the divine prophetic calling of the prophet Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon. We saw Joseph Smith as prophet translator. In the Doctrine and Covenants we see the prophet Joseph Smith as prophet revela uh, uh, revelator as he's receiving revelations from God to his people, the early church, as the uh, church is being restored upon the earth and starting to spread forth and grow throughout the uh, world to accomplish its divine mission and preparing the people of the world for the divine and the millennial reign and millennial kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who will soon come to the earth and reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and of that same Jesus Christ I testify that he is our Lord our God and our King I testify that he was born among men in his day that he lived, fulfilled the Father's divine plan for his life. He died and was crucified and suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane for all of our sins. Because of that great sacrifice, all of us can return to live with God, receiving the full forgiveness of our sins and being welcomed into his heavenly arms in the celestial world on high. Let's look now at the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 20. And this is a revelation given. And the proper and for the restoration of the church, for this is the moment. This is the glorious moment of uh, truth. The uh, the greatest, the the second greatest event in the history of the world, the greatest event since the death and resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the restoration of the gospel. For eighteen hundred years, mankind had been waiting for the Lord to bring forth in preparation for his millennial kingdom to bring forth once again his church upon the earth to restore the ordinances of the gospel to restore the priesthood and the power to be able to baptize and to confirm and to grant the gift of the Holy Ghost and, and all these wonderful blessings and miracles and healings and gifts of tongues and all these things that are that operate by the influence of the Holy Ghost through the power of the priesthood we saw the reformers in the Middle Ages, and they had started to see what was uh, going wrong and corrupt with the Catholic Church, and they began to try to begin the preparation of the restoration of the gospel and began to try to teach men to the best of their knowledge, relying upon the Bible only, but not being prophets and not being apostles and not having revelation restored to the earth. But they did their best to rely upon uh, uh, some influence of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, uh, to lead them in starting to prepare the way uh, for the restoration of the church back. We saw that the Lord had told the prophet Joseph Smith in 1820 when Joseph Smith asked, which is the true church? Which church should I get baptized into? And the Lord said that to join none of the churches, that none of the churches in 1820 was his church, that they all uh, 
you know, honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. That their uh, creeds, the great and abominable creeds, developed long after biblical times, hundreds of years later, in which uh, they taught false doctrines and uh, anti-biblical, uh, non-biblical doctrines. That these creeds were an abomination in his sight. That their preachers and teachers uh, were corrupt. And uh, that, you know, later on, he would tell the Prophet Joseph Smith he would soon restore his church with all its privileges and blessings and powers and, and priesthoods upon the earth. And so here we go. In, in April of 1830, we get the restoration of the church. Let's look at section 20, and we'll read the, start with, read, uh, with verse 1. The rise of the church of Christ in these last days being 1,830 years since the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the flesh. Now notice that. Right away we go again. We've seen over and over how Jesus Christ continues to bear his own testimony as to the doctrines, the true doctrines, the true biblical doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's continued to bear witness that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only true and living church upon the face of the earth. He's continued to bear testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith that he has literally called the prophet Joseph to be his prophet to restore the gospel truth. We see, we saw in the New Testament, one of the issues that the apostasy started was you had people starting to come among the uh, Christian church teaching that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. And, uh, you know, that the... Uh, uh, among these were the Gnostic groups, and they believed that the Holy that, that Jesus was just kind of a phantom that 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 was on the earth, but he didn't really come in the flesh. So here, Jesus Christ bearing testimony, bearing witness that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. So very important for studying uh, the restoration that the Lord is uh, proclaiming the divine divinity and the uh, and the. Uh, in his uh, being and his characteristics that he uh, was born uh, with flesh uh, that he was born of a, a woman of a mortal woman and mary with god the father being his father he says here it being regularly organized and established agreeable to the laws of our country that's a precursor to articles of faith uh, uh, verse 12 and now we're you know basically that uh, teaches that we abide as members of the church, we abide by the laws of our countries that we reside in. By the will and commandments of God. It was God's will to restore the church upon the earth. The, the church is the kingdom of God uh, on the earth, representative of the kingdom of God in heaven. It was God's own will and his commandments that he gave to the prophet Joseph Smith, so not only his will, his desire, his wish to restore the church, but he gave Joseph Smith a commandment to restore the church. And in the fourth month, and on the sixth day of the month, which is called April, which commandments were given to Joseph Smith Jr., who was called of God, and ordained an apostle of Jesus Christ to be the first elder of the church. So once again, a second time, confirming that these commandments to restore the church were given to Joseph Smith, Jr., who was called of God. Jesus Christ in announcing that jo Joseph Smith was called of God. He did not uh, just to take this honor upon himself. He did not decide one day that he would be a prophet, that he would uh, teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
True teachers, true apostles, true prophets are called by the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, Jesus Christ himself here declaring that Joseph Smith was a prophet, that he commanded the prophet Joseph Smith and he called him to be one of his apostles. We looked at this before. This is the before the church has been restored. So this is not a member of the quorum of the 12 apostles. This is an apostle called directly by Jesus Christ outside the quorum of the 12 was Joseph Smith at this point and Oliver Cowdery. And to Oliver Cowdery, who was also called of God, emphasizing once again Oliver Cowdery called of God. Oliver Cowdery did not call himself. He did not go to seminary and study and think because he got an educational degree in, in religion that somehow that automatically qualified him to have the priesthood and power of God to preach the gospel. An apostle of Jesus Christ to be the second elder of the church and ordained under his hand. And this according to the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to whom be all glory both now and forever. Amen. And it was truly manifested into this first elder that he had received the remission of his sins. He was again tangled in the vanities of the world. And we see Joseph Smith's own confession about that in the uh, Joseph Smith uh, history. Uh, you know, of, uh, confessing that, 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 of these uh, sort of things. Uh, but after repenting and humbling himself there, uh, sincerely through faith, God ministered unto him by an holy angel whose countenance was as lightning, and whose garments were pure and white above all other whiteness, and gave unto him commandments which inspired him, and gave him power from on high. Once again, God declaring that he gave him power. He gave him priesthood. He gave him power to be his prophet and to restore the church. By the means which were before prepared to translate the Book of Mormon, he also gave him the power to translate the Book of Mormon, which contains a record of a fallen people and the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles and to the Jews also, which were given by inspiration. So the writings in the Book of Mormon were given by inspiration of God to the prophets in the Book of Mormon to record the teachings and the principles of God so that we have the fullness of the gospel taught in the Book of Mormon. What is that fullness of the gospel? It's the basic principles of the gospel. It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is repentance of your sins. It is baptism by immersion. And it's receipt of the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end. These are the five basic principles of the gospel. We call them the basic principles because they're given to everyone. Everyone can, can do and accomplish those steps it did not require a advanced uh, educational degree uh, to complete those five steps. It does not uh, uh, necessitate the having of great sums of money to accomplish those five steps. These are basic steps, basic principles, but at the same time it is what he calls the fullness of the gospel truth. Now the Book of Mormon in verse 11 proving to the world that the Holy Scriptures are true. It proves, the Book of Mormon proves, that the Holy Bible is true, that it is the Word of God and the voice of the Lord unto the people that lived in the ancient world in the land of Israel and Jerusalem, and that thereby from the Jewish people going forth to the Gentiles, 
teaching them of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that God does inspire man, so Book of Mormon also proves that God does inspire man and call them to his holy work in this age and generation, as well as in generations of old. He doesn't only call prophets now, he called prophets before in the ancient days. He did not only call prophets in the ancient days, but he calls prophets today. Thereby showing that he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amos 3, 7 talks about how God will do nothing but reveal his secrets to his prophets. That's the only thing God ever does is he reveals his secrets to his prophets. So if there's no prophets among the earth, then God's not the same yesterday, today, and forever because all he does is reveal his secrets to the prophets. Therefore, there need to be prophets in these days just as there were in, 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 in days before. Now he says here in 13, Therefore having so great witnesses by them shall the world be judged. All mankind will be judged according to the things which are written in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon and in other scriptures that are coming forth including the Doctrine and Covenants. Even as many as shall hereafter come to a knowledge of this work. Anyone who comes to knowledge of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will then be judged as to whether or not they accept Jesus Christ and accept his kingdom, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as his kingdom, which it is, and preparing the mankind for his return to reign as our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Therefore, anyone who is, comes in contact with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will be judged as to what they do with that uh, knowledge and and uh, with the uh, with the truth that they receive as they hear about the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And those who receive it in faith and work righteousness shall receive a crown of eternal life. Those who receive the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, exercise faith and work righteousness, shall receive a crown of eternal life. We saw in a previous week that eternal life is the greatest gift of God. It is greater than any of the blessings of the earth greater than having mansions and the finest cars and the finest jewelry and, the, any, and any fine thing. The eternal life is the greatest of all the gifts of God. But here comes the warning. But those who harden their hearts in unbelief and reject it, it shall turn to their own condemnation. Those who are presented with knowledge of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Jesus Christ's uh, own kingdom of, uh, upon the earth, if they reject it, they've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected him. Uh, they are no better than those who cried crucify, crucify in the days of, of uh, Jesus. Uh, you know, they've, they've closed off their hearts. They've closed their minds. They've turned their backs against the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, they will have to suffer the penalty for such uh, actions. For the Lord God has spoken it. And we, the elders of the church, have heard and bear witness to the words of the glorious majesty on high, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 17. By these things we know that there is a God in heaven, who is infinite and eternal from everlasting to everlasting, the same unchangeable God, the framer of heaven and earth and all things which are in them. And that he created man, male and female, after his own image, and in his own likeness created he them. 
and he gave them commandments that they should love and serve him, the only living and true God, and that he should be the only being whom they should worship. Now we come back to that glorious truth of the only true and living. You know, the Apostle Paul said, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Not many baptisms, not many faiths and, and yet one Lord. There can only be one church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Jesus Christ himself bearing witness of that multiple times so far in these chapters in the Doctrine and Covenants that it indeed is his church and the only true and living church upon the face of the earth. And now we hear the same thing about God, that he is the only true and living God. But by transgression of these holy laws, man became sensual and devilish and became fallen man. Wherefore the Almighty God gave his only begotten Son, as it is written in those scriptures which we have been given of him. He suffered temptations, but gave no heed unto them. He was crucified, died, and rose again the third day, and ascended into heaven to sit down on the right hand of the Father to reign with almighty power according to the will of the Father, that as many as would believe and be baptized in his name and endure in faith to the end should be saved. And that's all it comes to. Basic principles of the gospel again, the fullness of the gospel again, is that you believe and be baptized in his holy name and endured in faith to the end. It's not just sufficient to believe. We looked at this chapter in the verse many times before in the book of James that even the devils believe in Jesus Christ and they tremble at his presence. So therefore, just belief is not enough. Belief will not save you. It will not exalt you into the celestial kingdom of our God. You need to also and uh, be baptized and keep the commandments to the end of your life. If you don't, you truly didn't believe Jesus. Because if you, how can you claim you believe Jesus Christ, but you don't believe the things he said? So if Jesus Christ said, you need to believe and be baptized and keep the commandments till the end of, of your life. If you don't do so, you don't, you exhibit and, and show forth the evidence that you don't truly believe in Jesus Christ. You may have an intellectual belief that Jesus as a fact of history might be the Son of God, but you don't actually believe Jesus Christ. Because if you believe the things of Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus Christ, you will do what he says. Not only those who believed after he came in the meridian of time, in the flesh, but all those from the beginning, even as many as were before the, he came, who believed in the words of the holy prophets, who spake as they were inspired by the gift of the Holy Ghost, who truly testified of him in all things, should have eternal life. So the Savior did not just come to save those that lived with him. He did not just save those who lived with him and lived after him, but he also saved those who lived before he came. And especially the holy prophets who testified of him, as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And that's the same responsibility that prophets have today as they did in past times, that they need to prepare themselves and keep humble before God and continue to listen to his voice and, and to then teach what they hear uh, through the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that what their words, uh, when, when they shall speak, shall be the words of God, shall be scripture, the mind and the will and the power of God unto salvation. That's their responsibility uh, to do so. It was the responsibility of the prophets who lived before Jesus Christ. 
And those who faithfully carry this out shall be mightily blessed and received into the heavenly kingdom of God. As well as those who should come after, who shall believe in the gifts and calling of God by the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of the Father and of the Son, which Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one God. Again, one God in purpose. There are three persons of, of one God, have one Godhood, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. There are not three in the same person. It's not a, a, a monster that has three heads coming out of one body, as some popular in, uh, uh, th uh, Christian theologians uh, teach nowadays. We're talking about three individual uh, persons who form together one Godhood, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we know that all men must repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ and worship the Father in his name and endure in faith on his name to the end. Or they cannot be saved in the kingdom of God. They cannot be saved. If you're not a baptized member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you cannot be saved in the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ. It's very simple. Jesus Christ has testified over that principle over and over again in the scriptures. Jesus has been one of his principles of teaching, that he always repeats his important um, uh, teachings and commands multiple times. Uh, there was a, a scholar that uh, um, came across and saw that like Jesus taught the same thing 500 different times, you know, uh, always re-emphasizing important things. So here again, you cannot be saved in the kingdom of God. And we know that justification through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just and true. And we know also that sanctification through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just and true to all those who love and serve God with all their might, mind, and strength. But there's a possibility that men may fall from grace and depart from the living God. So here God himself is teaching that principle. There's some Christian alive today who teach that once you believe in Jesus Christ you're automatically saved you can even fall away you can uh, engage in the uh, uh, in the worst conduct uh, worst morally uh, uh, moral conduct and to break all the commandments and you'll be saved because you once acknowledge Jesus Christ as your uh, Lord and Savior it doesn't work that way you can't fall from grace as he says here 33. Therefore let the church take heed and pray always lest they fall into temptation. Yet even let those who are sanctified take heed also. And we know that these things are true. And according to the revelation of John, neither adding to nor diminishing from the prophecy of his book, the book of Revelation, the holy scriptures or the revelations of God which shall come hereafter by the gift and power of the Holy Ghost, the voice of God or the ministering of angels. And the Lord God has spoken it in honor, power, and glory be rendered to his holy name both now and forever. Amen. And again, by way of commandment to the church concerning the manner of baptism. So now again, he's coming right back again to the basic principles of the gospel. Coming right back to baptism. How important it is. He said you cannot be saved in the kingdom of God if you're not a baptized member of his church and kingdom on the earth. He says here, and again, by way of commandment to the church concerning the manner of baptism, all those who humble themselves before God and desire to be baptized and come forth with broken hearts and contrite spirits and witness before the church that they have truly repented of all their sins 
and are willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end and truly manifest by their works that they have received of the Spirit of Christ unto the remission of their sins shall be received by baptism unto his church. We've looked at this before. To become a Christian, theologically, you have to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ. The only way to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ is by baptism by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. There is no other way, theologically speaking, to become a Christian. A simple belief is not being a Christian. The devil is not a Christian because he believes in Jesus Christ as the book of James teaches. Now, I don't know anybody who would declare that, that Satan or the devil is a Christian. Uh, you, to, to become a Christian, you have to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ. That only occurs at baptism by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God being baptized by immersion into the water and coming back forth out of the water symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ and become a Christian other than through that method. Now in the next few verses he's going to look at the, uh, uh, setting up the kingdom of God upon the earth. Uh, we're going to look at elders, teachers, priests, deacons and their responsibilities. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. I'd recommend you, you read this uh, on your own. If you have questions, you know, uh, just reach out and we'll see what we can do to help you with those. Uh, so now let's pick back up in uh, section in verse 70. Now he talks about uh, babies. If you have babies, uh, can you baptize them, for example? While we've learned, and Jesus Christ made it very clear many times already, that in order to become baptized, you have to first exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins and to become, a bab uh, become uh, baptized. Uh, a baby doesn't even know what's happening to him. How can a baby exercise faith in Jesus Christ? How can a baby repent of their sins of which they have none? So it's uh, important that uh, you learn here what do you do with a baby. And so what we've learned here through the restoration of the gospel is it's okay to bless babies, but you don't baptize babies. You don't baptize anyone until the age of accountability, which has been revealed to be the age of eight. 70. Every member of the church of Christ having children is to bring them unto the elders before the church who are to lay their hands upon them in the name of Jesus Christ and bless them in his name. So bring the babies forth. Let's bless them in Jesus Christ's name. But we don't baptize them. No one can be received into the church of Christ unless he has arrived unto the years of accountability before God and is capable of repentance. You have to be capable of repenting to become a baptized member of the church. That begins at the age of eight. Baptism is to be administered in the following manner unto all those who repent. So once again, glorious uh, the part of the restoration gospel. Uh, for over 1,800 years, mankind were trying to baptize each other because they read in the Bible how important baptism is, but they did not have the priesthood of God to, to uh, perform these baptisms. But they did not know how to, uh, to baptize. So, you know, they read as important, but uh, they didn't know how. They didn't know the method of baptism. Uh, they didn't know whether you sprinkle some water on someone's head or whether you baptize by immersion. Uh, they didn't uh, 
know what words, what formula, what the baptismal formula or baptismal prayer should be. But now through the restoration, we have that. We have the method. The method is baptism by immersion, coming into the water and coming back out of the water, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have the words that you should use in the baptism as well. And here in 73, uh, the person who is called of God and has authority from Jesus Christ to baptize. You have to have the authority of Jesus Christ to baptize. You have to have the priesthood. You might have a good heart and think that uh, you're, you're trying to serve God by trying to baptize somebody. But if you don't have the priesthood of God, that baptism is not valid in heaven. It is not uh, sealed on earth and sealed in heaven. Uh, the, 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 uh, you know, performed on earth and sealed in heaven. It is not valid. It is not baptism unless you have the priesthood and authority of God. That priesthood and authority of God is only held in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and is not held in any other church upon the face of the earth. In order to have that priesthood and authority, God had to send John the Baptist back to the earth to grant the Aaronic priesthood to the prophet Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. And he had to send Peter, James, and John to restore the Melchizedek priesthood. Most of the churches upon the earth don't even know that there is an Aaronic priesthood. They don't even know there is a Melchizedek priesthood. They don't even know whether or not they even have such priesthoods, but they don't. But they don't even, they don't know anything about the Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthood. Those, that knowledge and those priesthoods are only within Jesus Christ's true church and his only kingdom upon the earth, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, so it has authority from Jesus Christ the baptized shall go down into the water with the person who has presented himself or herself for baptism and shall say, calling him or her by name, having been commissioned of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then shall he immerse him or her in the water and come forth again out of the water, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, now the next important part of the restoration is the importance of the sacrament. Uh, Jesus said at the Last Supper, you know, that, you know, take, eat, this in remembrance of my body and my blood. And, you know, he commanded the early saints to meet together often to, to commemorate that. But we don't have the words that you should use in that sacramental prayer. It's not in the Bible. If it ever was, it was cut out by this great and abominable church who cut many plain and precious truths of Jesus Christ out of the Bible, as the Book of Mormon talks at great length about in 1 Nephi 13. But here we have the restoration of these uh, prayers. And it, uh, it says in 75, It is expedient that the church meet together often to partake of bread and wine in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. And the elder or priest shall administer it. And after this manner shall he administer it. He shall kneel with the church and call upon the Father in solemn prayer, saying, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of thy Son. So again, in, in putting uh, to rest, the false corrupted doctrine of the Catholic Church that they believe that the uh, wafer 
uh, becomes the actual body of Jesus Christ. That when the priest uh, does the Eucharist or the sacrament, they are basically killing Christ again, and they're actually eating as those, uh, you know, his flesh. That, that is not a true doctrine. That is not biblical doctrine. That doctrine was never taught by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself here is teaching that the bread or whatever you use, if you don't have bread, you can use crackers or any other thing that would be symbolic of the of remembrance of the body of Jesus Christ. And that you should witness by partaking of the sacrament or Eucharist, you witness unto the, O God, the Eternal Father, the willing to take upon them the name of thy Son. So they're renewing their Christian commitment. They've been baptized previously before they can participate in the sacrament. Uh, so they've already taken upon themselves the names of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian. And now they're uh, uh, renewing their baptismal covenant, their Christian commitment to take upon themselves the name of Jesus Christ, to remember him and keep his commandments, which he has given them, that they may always have his spirit to be with them. Amen. So there's the promise that they'll always have his spirit to be with them if they keep his commandments and keep him in remembrance and continue to walk the Christian life, taking upon themselves the name of Jesus Christ. Those faithful saints who do that are then name, receive a new name from our Heavenly Father. He calls them Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints to distinguish the saints in these days from the saints of the former days in, in the past. And then he says here, and here's how you bless the, uh, the wine. Now, of course, we've substituted wine now with, the, with, with water. So we use water now instead of wine after we receive further light and knowledge to receive greater uh, uh, commitment and, and, um, and, and ordinances of the gospel by receiving the word of wisdom. So we no longer participate in, with wine, but we use water to symbolize the blood of Jesus Christ. And in the prayer here, O God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this water or wine, water for now today in the church, to the souls of all those who drink of it, that they may do it in remembrance. Once again, it's not the actual blood of Jesus Christ. It does not become the blood, the actual blood of Jesus Christ. It's in remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for them, that they may witness unto thee, O God, the Eternal Father, that they do always remember him, that they may have his spirit to be with him. Amen. And so there we have it. We have the restoration of the baptismal prayer and the restoration of the sacrament prayers here. Okay, so that pretty much takes care of the chapter 20. The church has been now restored after 1800 years. The church is upon the earth once more. Uh, the uh, uh, mighty angel in Revelation 14.6 has flown through the uh, sky, blowing his trumpet, announcing the restoration of the gospel the, the, uh, to be spread forth among all the uh, nations, kindreds, tongues, and uh, people. And now in uh, 21, we learn about the, a little bit more again about Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ again bearing testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith. Behold, there shall be a record kept among you. These are the words of Jesus Christ, commanding there be a record kept among you. 
And in it thou shalt be called, Joseph Smith shalt be called, a seer, a translator, a prophet, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and an elder of the church through the will of God the Father and the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. So both of them, not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father, both of them, it's their will that the prophet Joseph Smith be a, a prophet, a seer, a translator, an apostle and a prophet of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's very here. It's, it's their will and that they wanted it recorded in the records of the church. Being inspired, Joseph Smith, uh, uh, being inspired of the Holy Ghost to lay the foundation thereof. Jesus Christ himself announcing here once again that not only is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints the only true and living church upon the face of the earth, but that Joseph Smith, that he, Joseph Smith did so, restored the church through the Holy Ghost. Inspired of the Holy Ghost to lay the foundation thereof and to build it up unto the most holy faith, which church was organized and established in the year of your Lord, 1830. Wherefore, in verse 4, wherefore meaning the church, thou shalt give heed unto all his words, to Joseph Smith's words, and commands which he shall give unto you as he receiveth them, walking on holiness before me. Now, this applies to our current prophet, President Russell M. Nelson. Uh, we should receive uh, uh, his words and give heed to, to the commandments which he gives us. In verse 5, for his word, Joseph Smith in 1830, or Russell M. Nelson in 2020, in 2021, for his word ye shall receive, as if from mine own mouth, in all patience and faith. And as we honor God's prophet, he will bless us as though we honored and, and followed him. For by doing these things, listening to the current prophet in your day and your time and in which you live, for by listening to the prophet, by doing these things, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Yea, and the Lord God will disperse the powers of darkness from before you and cause the heavens to shake for your good and his name's glory. What wonderful blessings. If you listened and followed the advice and the, and the direction of the prophet, uh, all these wonderful things that the powers of darkness will be dispersed from before you and they, he'll cause the heavens to shake for your good. And uh, let's look at verse uh, 9. Now he's talking about those who, uh, you know, Jesus said in, uh, Ma in, uh, in uh, Matthew 7, 17 that, you know, John 7, 17, that you should know of the doctrine uh, you know, if, if you will do his will, if you will do his commandments, you shall know of the doctrine, whether it be a God or whether he speaks for himself. By God is testing our faith and to see if we'll keep the commandments. It's testing our faith to see if we'll listen and follow the prophet. And as we do so, as we take that step of faith to follow Jesus Christ, to follow his, his prophet as the prophet follows the Lord uh, in, in, in his Christian walk as well, that he says here, For behold, I will bless all those who labor in my vineyard with a mighty blessing. 
and they shall believe on his words, on the prophet's words. He shall be, you will be blessed with a testimony. If you exercise faith to follow Jesus, you'll be blessed with a testimony of Jesus. If you exercise faith to follow the prophet, you'll be blessed with a testimony of the prophet. And they shall believe on his words, which are given him through me by the comforter, which manifesteth that Jesus was crucified by sinful man for the sins of the world, yea, for the remission of sins unto the contrite heart. The only way you can know that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for the sins of the world is through the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't fill the Holy Ghost, you will never come to have that belief and that testimony of those things. Wherefore it, believe, it behooveth me that he should be... Well, and, and it would follow further uh, with, the, uh, with the knowledge of the church being God's uh, true kingdom upon the earth and with having current... Uh, living uh, 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 prophets, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in place in his uh, kingdom. Uh, that you would only know those things by the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet, if you don't believe that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is God's kingdom, what does that mean? That means that you do not have the Holy Ghost in your life. It does, means that you do not know how to listen to the Holy Spirit manifest the truthfulness of these things to you and to your soul. Wherefore it behooveth me that he should be ordained by you, Oliver Cowdery, mine apostle. This being an ordinance unto you, that you are an elder under his hand, he being the first unto you, and that you might be an elder unto the church of Christ, bearing my name. And the first preacher of this church unto the church, and before the world, yea, before the Gentiles, yea, and thus saith the Lord God, lo, lo, to the Jews also. That just leaves us with a couple of verses here in section 22 about baptism. This revelation was given to the church in consequence of some who had previously been baptized, desiring to unite with the church without being rebaptized. So they thought, well, they were baptized in their own church before they found out about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so can we join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints without being rebaptized? Here is God's response. Behold, I say unto you that all old covenants have I caused to be done away in this thing by restoring the priesthood of God upon the earth to, in the power to baptize, by restoring the baptismal formula to be used, the baptismal prayer to be used in the baptism. I've caused that the old baptism should be done away with, as though it were the law of Moses, he's going to say here. Wherefore, Although a man should be baptized a hundred times, it availeth him nothing. For you cannot enter in at the straight gate by the law of Moses, neither by your dead works. So he's saying that if you are baptized in any other church other than the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's a dead work. It availeth you nothing. Even you get baptized a hundred times in another church. That's not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It does not avail you anything. It profits you Nothing. It is though you're an ancient Jewish person still living the law of Moses, even though that Christ came and fulfilled that law, is what Jesus is saying here. So even you get baptized a hundred times outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints by those who do not hold the priesthood and authority of God, it does not profit you anything. It does not prepare you and qualify you to enter into God's kingdom in the world to come.
He says, Wherefore enter ye in at the gate, as I have commanded, and seek not to counsel your God. Amen. Don't even try to argue with God about this, he's saying. You know, God, he said, God's saying, I don't want you to even try to counsel or try to argue with me on this matter. I've made my will known. I've given strict commandments of these things, that the priesthood and the power and authority of God is only held in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you want to be saved, you have to be baptized by those who hold this priesthood and authority of God into uh, the waters of baptism by immersion into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Then if you do so, you will be saved. That's a God of love who's saying that. He will save you. He wants to save you. He wants to give you this opportunity. That's why he's commanded the church to spend millions upon millions and millions of dollars to send forth thousands of missionaries throughout the world to go knocking door to door and to uh, communicate with people on the streets and wherever they may find them to give them the opportunity to join with the God of love to become part of his kingdom upon the earth in preparation to be able to enter the kingdom of uh, God in heaven. Uh, I believe that once again the uh, uh, baptismal link uh, in the description of this video. For those of you who are not yet members of the church, we welcome you with open arms. We welcome you to all God's promises, all God's blessings, and all the uh, mighty uh, miracles and healings and wonderful things that he wants to do in your life if you will just accept him, uh, believe in him, exercise faith unto repentance, repent of your sins, become baptized into his church and kingdom upon the earth so that that baptism will count in heaven and qualify you to return to live with him in heaven and god will bless you he'll bless you with joy and peace and happiness in this life and eternal life in the world to come which as we saw in an earlier video is the greatest of all the gifts of god for those of you who are baptized members of the church but have drifted away into inactivity you remember how happy you were when you were a full active member of the church so why rob yourself of that joy and happiness that can be yours once again? We welcome you back to the church once again with open arms. Come back and let God come back into your lives and bless you with this joy and happiness and peace that you're missing today. For those of you who are going through the motions as active members, here's your opportunity to actually open your hearts to God. You know, they make a decision uh, this day that uh, you're going to go forward and be better people, that you're going to more fully uh, keep your covenants with God and to more fully keep His commandments so He can bless you uh, even greater instead of just going through the, the emotions, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the motions. By going through the motions like those in Jesus' day keeping the law of Moses that He had such a hard time with, the, uh, Pharisee, the, the Pharisees who kept keeping all the laws, but they didn't have the joy and happiness. They didn't have the Spirit uh, with them and the Holy Ghost with them to tell them that the person addressing them is the very Son of God, the one that your ancestors and your, pro and your prophets in the Old Testament had always testified should come into the world. I testify that these things indeed are true. I testify that Jesus Christ lives today. He rose from the dead, and because of his resurrection, all of us can live in resurrect it with him as well at the end of this uh, at the end of this world and, and the, the day of judgment i love all of you i thank you for spending your time uh, i hope you can answer the question in your hearts today and say i'm i want to be a better person now because of this uh, video and this time that you spent and hearing the word of god 
I trust that God will bless you in your lives with all that you need. He'll satisfy all your uh, needs as he's promised in the scriptures. Not all your wants, not not all your wishes, but he'll satisfy all your needs. He'll give you uh, what you need in order to be joyful, happy, and, and peace in this life and to prepare yourselves to enter his eternal rest and his eternal present in the, in presence in the world to come. I testify of these things and I love all of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.